Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. We are wrapping up a series called Me, Myself, and Mind. And this year has been challenging, to say the least, with on top of life, right? Just the struggles of a pandemic, and obviously we're kind of in a resurge of that now. Today's conversation, whether we were in pandemic or not, is good. It's, it's necessary, um, even if we weren't in the middle of all of this COVID stuff. Because life is just full of stress. There's always potential stress, potential worry, potential anxiety, depression. You know, it, there's things in life that, that just cause all that stuff. And then when you hit a crisis, when you go through something like we're going through today, like it's there, but it's almost like the COVID pandemic, the furloughs, all that, it kind of shines a spotlight. It was there. It was there, right? But then when we go through a little bit of crisis in our life, it just kind of makes you see it, feel it a little bit better. So we're going to spend some time today talking about just... You know, how do you wrestle with that? Jesus gave us a formula in Scripture. And I want to just take a look of how to do that. And I want to be real with you for, for just a moment. If I personally, me, if I don't manage my life well, if I don't manage my schedule well, manage my spiritual disciplines well, it's going to show up. It's kind of like turning that spotlight on. It, it, it's going to show up. It's going to show up in attitude. It's going to show up in negativity. It's going to show up in stress and sometimes even worry. But for a lot, I can keep the plates up in the air. You know what I'm saying? I can kind of keep the, oh, glory, the Lord's moving, brother. You know, I, like we can keep the good front, the good face for a while, but then you can't sustain, that's not sustainable. And then crisis hits, pandemic hits, right? And what that does is it turns that flashlight on. It exposes us, exposes the stress, the worry, the issues, right? All of that stuff that, that it's there, but then when the crisis hits, it, it, it just becomes a thing. I honestly believe there's some spiritual deception going on. This is, this is a lie of the enemy. The old Lucifer himself. Here's the lie. If you become a Christian, if you become a follower of Christ, if you pray and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, from that point on, your life gets easy. Like, it just, it's kind of this supernatural protection and I won't have bad days and my life will be pain-free and everything will be just fine. Yes, there are biblical principles that God loves his kids and wants great things for his children of God. Yes, there are things in there that God cares about your situations, but it always doesn't always look like what we think it ought to look like. The parent tells their child, I love you, baby. I'm always going to take care of you. And the child's like, great. Can we have chocolate cake for dinner? Well, that's not, that's not what that means. It's probably not the best idea for you to get all sugared up at dinner time, right? So the enemy takes those moments where life disappoints us. The enemy takes those moments where God didn't meet maybe our expectations, and he uses them to cast doubt. See, God didn't take care of you. He didn't give you chocolate cake. God didn't care. He didn't meet your need. He didn't meet your expectation. And our whole relationship with God is based on faith. I'm saved by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
And doubt is the opposite of faith. So if I'm in a pain or struggle or trial or pandemic or whatever, and the enemy uses that moment to kind of create a little doubt in my life, those trials, those hardships, that disappointment, he uses that to get you to doubt God. And it begins to eat away at the very foundation of your relationship with God, which is faith. We go through pandemic. Maybe your income was impacted Maybe the kids were home just a little bit too much. I mean, if you love your teachers right now, come on, say amen, right? You know what I'm saying? Your child worked their whole high school career leading up to a softball or soccer or track or band thing, you know? And all of a sudden, the pandemic kind of robbed them of that. Let's go a little bit further down that road. Someone you know was hit with COVID and maybe lost their life. And all that does is turn the light on to the worry, the stress, the issues that were there, but it just kind of creates this pressure cooker, those vulnerabilities that were in life. It just reveals them. And Jesus prepared us for this moment. He knew the enemy was going to try to tell you, listen, when you get safe, your life's going to be easy. And Jesus like, listen, in this life, not when, in this life, you're going to have trouble. And so he begins to prepare you and I for pandemics. He begins to prepare you and I to deal with mental health and to deal with stress and worry and anxiety in our life. And then today I'm going to give you, I'm going to crack the code. I'm going to give you a secret formula to a successful life. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to go. He's going to talk about worry and stress and anxiety and how really you can overcome that. Matthew chapter 6, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable than a bird? Listen, when I get the chance to do premarital counseling for a couple that's getting ready to get married, one of the first things I like to talk about is like, how do we get here? How did you get to the point that you want to spend your life heavily, happily ever after? And the girl in that moment, she's like all giddy and giggly, and she's got like this twinkle in her eyes, and she's like, oh, he's going to say something so romantic, and he's going to say something so sweet. She's like, baby, you go first. Like, okay, so ask the guy, how do we get here? And she's like, you know, she's all giggly. And this is typically the guy's response. I don't know. I thought she was pretty. That's it? That's it, pretty? You know. So I've learned you approach that a little bit different. So I start with the girl. Let's let you go first, right? And she's like, oh, my God, the first day was so amazing. He planned. We went downtown and rode scooters downtown. It was so sweet. Then he took me to this, this little hole-in-the-wall quaint coffee shop. I didn't even know it existed, and it was so sweet there. And the day he proposed was perfect. The wind was blowing in my hair. He had a puppy. There were puppies there, you know what I'm saying? And then you turn to the guy, and you say, well, what was that day like for you? Uh-huh. I don't know. I was just hurting. <laughs> and one of the questions that I always ask in that first session of premarital counseling is, what do you miss about being a kid? What do you miss about being a kid? And typically, that response is not paying bills. Come on, somebody say amen right there, right? I didn't have to work. I didn't have somebody else carried the responsibility of that. Down through the years, I'm not going to lie, there have been times where I've asked that question. 
One time I remember vividly. What do you miss about being a kid as tears begin to well up in her eyes? She said, nothing. It was all hard. Today I'm living in the best days of my life. And I read what Jesus says in verse 26. Look at the birds. They don't plant, harvest, store food. It sounds like kids, right? There's no response. Yeah! Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than birds are? You know why he talks about birds? Because my temptation would be, hey, remember when you were a kid and life was easy and Christmas was awesome? And there's some people that are like, no, Christmas was not awesome. Jesus can't go down the route of, hey, do you remember when you were a child and you didn't have that responsibility? Remember when you were a kid, everything was easy, you didn't have to worry about anything? Because not every kid has that story. But he can say, hey, do you ever just watch the birds? You ever just watch the birds, how they fly and they enjoy life? Unless they're penguin, they can't fly and they're frozen, right? You're like, they, they don't seem to be worried about elections or debates or stock markets, and they're certainly not wearing masks, right? Birds probably don't even know there's a pandemic going on. God made birds, but he gave you a soul. You know why birds exist? For you. For your pleasure. For your ecosystem. For your survival. Oh, you don't like birds? Well, do you like flowers? Verse 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work, make their own clothes. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. My life stinks in the middle of a pandemic and Jesus wants to talk about birds. Well, no, he wants to talk about flowers too, right? If you consider flowers, this is what Jesus is saying in that moment. You really press into this. I think what he's getting at is God is into the small details of your life. If he can beautifully, with masterpiece, create a lily, a rose, what can he do in your small details? Verse 30, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into a fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Catch this, why do you have so little faith? Ouch. So don't worry about these things. What will you eat? What will you drink? What will you wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But that's not your story. See, you have something that unbelievers don't have. You have faith. You have a relationship with your creator. He's saying, listen, the world lives on freakout. They, 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 they don't have what you have. You have the faith and trust of a God who's your creator. You might not get to eat chocolate cake for dinner, but he's still got you. And I know we as Christians, we stress and we worry and we have anxiety. And Jesus kind of calls you out on that. Why do you have such little faith? You trust God with your eternity. You trust God with your salvation. You trust God with your soul. But you don't trust him in your situation? Why do you have so little faith? If you are a child of God, sure, you're not always going to get everything you want. Sure, he may not answer every prayer request the way you pray it, but he's still been faithful. You might not get to eat donuts for lunch or chocolate cake for dinner, but God's still faithful. And then Jesus gives us the steps. He kind of gives us the secret sauce, if you will, to dealing with worry, stress, anxiety, what am I going to wear, how am I going to eat, all those issues. He gives you the keys to managing your life. He gives you keys to having good mental health. Keys to dealing with anxiety, to, to putting a stop to all this worry. 
to having peace in any problem. And the thing I love about Jesus in his teaching is he makes hard things simple. He has this gift. He just had a way of simplifying things. God gave us Ten Commandments. Religion turned those Ten Commandments into 613 rules. And Jesus said, um, are you struggling remembering 613? Because I can't. I struggle remembering 10. Let's see, there's don't murder, don't cuss, honor your parents, don't dip, wait, that's not one of them, don't drink or chew or date girls who do, send in there somewhere, right? You know what I'm saying? And Jesus had this way of taking complex things and breaking it down and, and really making it simple. Like you can't remember 613 rules? can't remember the Ten Commandments? Let me do what? Let me, let me break it down into two. First one, love God. If you love God with everything you have, love God with all your might, soul, strength, body, spirit, you love God with everything you have, I'm not going to create another God. I'm not going to have a golden image. I'm not going to use his name in vain. If I love God, I'm going to take a day to rest and be with him and worship. I'm going to honor him. So the first principle, pretty simple, love God with all you got. And second was love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor, you won't try to steal his wife. You won't harm him, let alone try to murder him. You won't be jealous of him. You won't covet what he has. Matter of fact, when his life was a little better than yours, you can celebrate with him. Jesus takes 613 rules. He takes 10 commandments, and he reduces it down to two. Love God, love your neighbor. And he does the same thing with stress, worry, anxiety. Not just in crisis, not just in a pandemic, but in life. He takes a big, heavy issue, and he simplifies it down into one principle. It's easy to remember, but it's really hard to do. Ready? I'm going to put it in an older translation. Here's the secret sauce. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things we talk about, what am I going to eat, what am I going to wear, where all the money's going to come from, all that stress. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things we talked about will be added, they'll be given to you as well. Let me put it to you this way. God's ways work every time. Have you got a priority? More than just on paper? More than when you're sitting in a circle? Well, can you tell me what your priorities are? Well, it's the Lord. i got to have the Lord, and then i got family, and then God will right. Those are easy words to say. But living with God as a priority, that's a little bit harder. But Jesus is compelling. If you will live kingdom first over a lifetime, not just when you're in pandemic, not when you're just in crisis, but if your whole life will be, I'm going to put first things first, I'm going to live kingdom first, pandemics might be hard, but you will be prepared. Seasons might be stressful, but God will sustain you. So here's the big idea. First things first. I, this probably never happens at your house, right? But this has happened to me once or twice in the last three days, that the night before I'm going to get up, right, like, I'm going to get up early tomorrow. I'm going to do it. Feeling good. I knew that I would. You know, so I'm going to set my alarm early, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to make a pot of coffee. I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to exercise, and I'm just going to hit the day. I'm going to go, right? And then your alarm goes off, and you're like, oh, no. Like, you hit snooze again, <laughs> again, right? And so I don't even wake up on time. 
I wake up 35 minutes late and I'm panicking. You're praying, don't let there be traffic on the way to work. And then there's traffic on the way to work and there's a wreck. And, you know, so you're 10 minutes late for your first meeting. You're apologizing. And your day just goes downhill from there. Does that ever happen to anybody other than me? Okay, three of them over here and one here. Got you, got you. The rest of y'all lying. Liars up in this church house, right? Listen, companies spend big money on consultants and, and coaches, and they bring people in. And one of the things they will talk to you about is start your day right, the importance of what you do early and how you structure your day. We go to counselors. Even last weekend, we brought our friend Chris in, and he was talking about, you can't hear him say self-care, 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 right? Then we read books or listen to podcasts or, or listen to speakers, even psychologists who are not Christians. They don't even realize what they're telling you is a spiritual principle that Jesus gave us. They call it self-care, right? Jesus calls it kingdom-first living. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So today, I want to take the two biggest things that are stressors on average. Some of you might have a child that's a stressor. We're not going to deal with that today. We'll just pray for you after service. Hallelujah. But I want to talk about the two things in our life that typically are our biggest stressors. The first one is our time. Take a note, you can write that one down. It's our schedule. Man, it's just so much. Sometimes I just want to go back to the 80s, amen? Clothes were cool back then, right? Hair was a thing, it was awesome. And our schedules were just slower. Reading a book the other day, it talked about the invention of the garage door or the air conditioner, of how that's changed America prior to the air conditioner. People, you sit out on their porch of an evening and spend time with your neighbors. The garage door, people punch up, beep, then you just drive in and you close it. And you don't even walk out and, and engage in your neighbor. I mean, I, there's just something about life that is so busy today and how we manage our time. And scripture talks a lot about how you should manage your schedule and how you should manage your time. Seek first the kingdom of God in your schedule, on a daily level, on a weekly level, on a lifestyle, a lifetime level, right? So I know some of you have probably seen this before, but I just want to take a little time to give you a visual picture of what Jesus is talking about. And I've got all these things. I want, man, I want to live a full life, amen? Anybody want their life to be fulfilling, amen? Okay, and so the problem is, I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes I do this, like, when I get up of a morning, especially on my day off, I'm, I'm pretty good on my structured days, but my day off, and days off are, are really important, but on my day off, if I ever make the mistake of grabbing the cell phone and going to Facebook and just the little stuff, you know, oh, what's, what's in the news? And, you know, it's, it's okay. It's stuff that's all right to do. You know, it's probably better to do it in the bathroom when you're not really doing anything else. My wife would be so mad if she knew I said that right now. But I just kind of, you know, See, all the, the little minutia stuff, you know, we kind of get caught, sometimes we call it getting caught in the weeds and just dealing with this stuff. And the problem is if I do that first, there's statistics out there that like if you check your email first thing when you get to work, like just how unproductive. But then I've got these other things that I want to put in my life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I need to spend time with my wife. By the way, yesterday, the Jer Bear and I, we celebrated our 20th anniversary of our first date. I know, right? We went to Spaghetti Warehouse. It's not even there anymore. You got these big things you want to put in your life. I need to exercise. I'm going to, come on, get up early. I'm going to exercise, right? And then, you know, I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to take my wife on an anniversary date. I 
put all these problem is all the things, the big things I wanted to do, like I needed to call my granddad. I mean, I just don't have room for it all, right? I just, I don't have room for it. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rearrange a little bit and do what Jesus said. Listen, kingdom first living. I'm going to take those pants out. I should have ironed right there. I'm going to kind of rearrange and I want to that's really important what you actually study show what you do the first 10 minutes of your day sets the tone of the rest of your day your first hour of your day is most important some of you are like I don't wake up till noon it, it, it still matters so I, I, I think kingdom first living is doing the big stuff first like making sure that I spend time with God and reading my Bible and time in prayer man I love those mornings where I get up make the pot of coffee. I got a spot in my living room that I go plop down and before I ever read the Bible, I'm like, God, just let it be living to me today. I mean, I, I've read the Bible through for years and years and years and years and years and I know the words I'm gonna read today, God, I've read them before, but I pray it speaks something new to me. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the big rock in first and then I'm 46 years old. My metabolism is, my metabolism is gone. It just completely disappeared. It left me years and years ago. But God's got too much for this guy to do. So I want to make sure that I have the health and the energy to run the long race that he set me and called me here to do. And so I'm going to try to find some time, three, four days a week to, to kind of exercise. And I do want to invest in my marriage. And I don't want to be a statistic. I'm, I want Jerry to live happy and fulfilled. And I want my kids to grow up in a home that is healthy and, and stable. And, and I want to invest in my kids. I want to make sure that I'm coaching them through life things because sometimes school is hard and relationships are hard. And I don't want to make sure that I'm investing in that. And I want to grow. I want to get better. I want to, I want to read some books that challenge me. And I want to spend some time with people that are going to make me better. They're going to be positive in my life. And I've got some of these bigger things that I want to take care of. And I want to put the big things. I want to kingdom first live. And then when I'm in the bathroom, if I want to check Facebook or Instagram or Square, Zanga, I still got your Zanga page open. That's weird if you do, right? But, oh, that's not going to work. But, but now, I've got time to, to kind of put all this. You know why? Because I put the big stuff in first. Now it all fits. Because I set my priorities right. And there's this little word called margin. But there's still some room in there. Some room in there. And so the Bible is pretty clear. There's some principles on how we should spend our time. And I want to give you three of those principles today. That if you will, if those are the big rocks that you'll put down in your jar, it'll really help. Really help. The first one is worship. Why not? I know I'm preaching the choir. You guys are here on Sunday morning after Halloween and you know, but why not? Why not start your week with God? It's so refreshing. And it's it's that big rock. If I put that in first. And so here's the thing about church and, and worship. It's optional. Um, and optional things get bumped real easy. And here's the deal. God will let you choose. And here's why God will let you choose. Because best love is chosen. If I mandate to my children, I demand that you love your daddy. I'm, I mean, I'm making you love me. As they grow up, it, it, it's, they might. But the best love is chosen. You know what I'm saying? 
I don't have to, but I want to. And when you get there, there's a genuineness. It becomes real. There's a real intimacy. Like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read my Bible. And, and sometimes it starts with I have to. Sometimes I know I kind of need to force myself, kind of like brushing your teeth and eating your vegetables. Right? I have to. And, and so there's times that spiritual discipline is good. But then something happens along the way that I just fall deeply in love with the word of God because I realize it was written to help and benefit me. And I'm telling you, in your spiritual maturity process, there comes a switch that flips, that things that were kind of hard to understand at one point, you're reading it and you go, well, I'll be. Seek first the kingdom of God. It really is a secret sauce. It really is a secret formula. And you come to the place where I want to, I want to get up and I want to start my day by reading the word. It's the big rock I put in first. And so there's worship and then there's rest. And rest was so important, God thought he would include it in the Ten Commandments. You know, don't murder, honor your father and your mother, and rest. It was so important that God himself, he created for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And listen, it doesn't mean I take a day off from this job so I can go work another job. It is a day that is set aside for rest and worshiping God. You need to do things that refresh you. Which, by the way, worshiping first, on Sunday, the first day of the week, that actually is designed to refresh you so that I've got the spiritual energy to go fight what the enemy throws at me this week. Just a little helpful hint, if you work with your mind Monday through Friday, they say it's really good to work with your hands on Saturday and Sunday. So yesterday, I, I had a lot of stuff to do, but I just said, I need to be outside. And so Landon and I, we just knew we were going to work outside. We were kind of repainting the house and working on some other stuff. I'm rebuilding an old trailer my granddad gave me. And so from like 9.30 until like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, I was just outside yesterday. Was I tired? Yes. But my soul was refreshed because you need to do things that refresh you. Listen, I don't rest because I'm tired. I rest to keep from becoming tired. Tired can be dangerous. I don't make my best decisions when I'm tired. I don't respond my best when I'm tired, especially in tense situations. There's ugly rumors going around that I get grumpy when I'm tired, and that's fake news. Fake news, sorry. Um, I, don't, I don't have creative energy when I'm tired. I am not God's best version of my life when I get tired. I don't rest because I'm tired. I rest to keep from getting tired. And then the third thing about your time is, is you gotta work. You gotta work. Old Testament, New Testament are full of the sentiment of, of work. So man was made for fellowship with God. That's why he created us, so that we could be in relationship with him. And then we were made to multiply. We were made to be fruitful and multiply. And then there's a third part of that, that man was made to work. Even before the whole sneaky snake and they ate the fruit and God brings down judgment on the man, the woman, and the snake. Even before that, God said, listen, you were created for a purpose. You were created to work. Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and he placed him over the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It is full of spiritual advice on how to live. It was written thousands of years ago, but it's still applicable today. It's full of work. Don't be lazy. All the parents said amen, right? Proverbs 14, 23, work brings profit. Mere talk, yeah, hey, I'm gonna get around to that. That leads to poverty. Proverbs 18, 9, a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. 
What that saying is, laziness is very destructive in every area of your life. The New Testament takes that principle and escalates it. It goes one more. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work. Your life is purpose. All you're doing is sitting around gossiping, getting all up and meddling in other people's business. Verse 12, we command such people. I'm begging you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Paul is like, I'm begging with you, please, in the name of Jesus. Would you settle down and would you work, live your life on your purpose, not on somebody else's business? That's a good place to say amen. The kingdom first principle about managing your time is I need to worship first. It doesn't need to be optional. It needs to be priority. I need to rest, not because I'm tired, but keep me from getting tired. And then I need to be, I need to work. I need to live on purpose, live on task, not be all up in everybody else's business. And now I want to talk about the second thing that causes stress, which is treasure. This one has a tendency to be a bigger stress. This is the one Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6. I got to have clothes. I got to have food. I got to have money to buy all this stuff. And so Jesus talks about treasure. But keep in mind, while he's talking about stress and worry and anxiety and am I going to have enough, he gives you this kingdom first principle. And here's the three biblical principles I want to talk about this morning. And they won't get you out of a crisis. They are designed to be a lifestyle that helps you get through and sustain crisis. Okay? The first principle, not real popular. I got booed in the first service. Save. Ooh. See? No, I'm just Save. We, we, we don't want to hear save. We want to hear spend. That's the American way. That's the, I'm not going to go there. Right? Proverbs 21.20. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but a fool gulps theirs down. I want to be in the wise category. Amen? I love the new living. It says the wise have wealth and luxury. Not because they were born into the white, right family, but because they were smart. They, they saved some for a future day. But a fool consumes, a fool spends whatever they get their hands on. If we never tell ourselves no, if I just spend all I want, when I want, on what I want, if I never set anything back for the future, there is going to come a time that I'm going to be in need. There's going to come a time where I need more than what I have coming in, and I will have borrowed from everybody I can borrow from, I'll max out the credit cards, and I'll ask everybody I can, and all of a sudden it's no, and I'm just in the middle of a crisis. The Bible says, listen, it is wise to save money. Even before you begin to pay off debt, like if you're familiar with a guy named Dave Ramsey and his financial principles, he will say, listen, the first thing you need to do to reset your finances is put $1,000 in a savings account. Why? You sleep better with $1,000 in a savings account. You, get, you need a new tire tomorrow? I don't have to call MasterCard. I don't have to put it on Visa. I've got it in my savings account. I'm going to take the money out of that savings account, buy the new tire, and over the next couple of weeks, I'll pay it back. You just sleep better when you have $1,000 in a savings account. Then you start to pay down that debt, and then once you've got a good handle on that, then you start saving more into a savings account. And he says it's your three to six months. Like if I lose my job, it's okay. I've got three to six months of, of money right here that's stored up, so I'm not in a crisis. I don't have to sell a kid, unless you want to, right? This is not financial advisor principles. This is Bible. We need to, we need to save. 
Secondly, it's obvious you need to live. Stuff costs. Kids ain't cheap, amen? Y'all are with me this morning, right? And it's not so much about living, but it's how much I live on that's the kicker. 76% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. A lot of that 76% live on between 105 and 110% of their income. How can you do that? How can you live on 105% of your income? It's called debt. It's called credit cards. Meaning, if I'm living on 105% of my income, I don't have any extra to save anything. I don't have anything to put back. I can't pay down debt, and so the pile just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. In 2019, the U.S. standard of living was at an all-time Yet at the same time, stress, depression, and anxiety were also at an all-time high. So getting everything I want, thinking that's going to make me happy, it really doesn't work. Actually, the opposite effect takes place. It just creates more stress. Principle number three, and I really should do it first, but I'm saving the best for that. Right? It's the secret sauce. It's what makes this all work. You ready? Giving. Giving. And next week, we're going to jump into a series on, on living in God's blessing and then dealing with, there's things called curses that are real, generational curses. And I don't know about you, but I want to live in the blessings of God. Oh, there it is. He's going to preach wealth and prosperity. No, 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 no. No, no. God loves his kids just like you love your kids. And you can live in the blessings of God and, and not be wealthy. And I, I just want to talk about living in the blessing that God has for us. If Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, he might be right about that. He might be right about the other stuff too. Let me show you one verse, Romans eleven sixteen. 16. For if the first fruit is holy, then the rest of it is holy. I'm going to put it in a different translation. It says, but if the first batch of dough is offered to God, is holy, the whole batch. So there's this principle. We, we call the principle the tithe, the first ten, tithe, tenth, tithe. You know what I'm saying? And so we believe that God set forth in his scripture, listen, that you need to give back to God a portion of what comes in. And when you do, according to Romans chapter 11, if I give God the first part of that, then the rest of it, the other 90, it's blessed. Am I going to have flat tires? Uh-huh. Is the refrigerator going to make weird noises? Uh-huh. I did yesterday. Freaked out about it a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But there's this principle that if I will put the big rocks in first, not when I can, not if I got it, but if I intentionally, regularly make it a priority to say, God, I'm going to trust you with my stuff and I'm going to put the big rocks in first. There's a biblical principle you can step into that if the first part that I give is set apart as holy and given to God, then the whole batch, the other 90%, God's going to put his blessing on. I want to live in that. Giving is not a rule. You can be greedy and still go to heaven. You can never give a dime and be a Christian. You just won't live Christ-like. Because Christ gave more than money. He gave his life for us. It's just better. It's just better living open-handed. I like 
going to lunch with people that I have to fight them for the check. Amen? It's not very fun going, oh, I'll get that, you know, alligator arm. I'm like, whatever, just get out. You ain't playing. You know what I'm saying? It is more blessed to get. I just like being around generous people. And it's not that God wants something from you. He don't need anything from you but your heart. It's that God wants something for you. The church doesn't need something from you. God's always loved his church. God's take care of his church. So we want something for you. We want you to live in that blessed portion. Jesus, I just find it so interesting. He's talking about worry, stress, fear, and anxiety, and not having enough, and what am I going to wear, and what am I going to eat, and he's talking about all that stuff, and then he says, listen, let me give you the secret sauce. First things first. If you will let these biblical principles be a lifetime lifestyle for you, you will live in COVID season, out of COVID season, it doesn't matter, Jesus has already prepared you for that. All these things we wrestle with, the stress, the worry, if you live according to the biblical principles and you put the big rocks in first, you're going to be hard? Yep. But you're prepared. He's given you a secret solution. Do the first things first. And when you make it a priority, like giving first and worshiping first and spending time with him first, it not only blesses that little part, it blesses the whole jar, the whole batch of what you do. It grows your faith in the midst of a storm and a trial. And I, I spent my whole life learning how to trust God. And so I'm in the middle of a pandemic and, and my focus and my heart is set on him. There's times sometimes we want to worry and Jerry wants to worry about like, hey, baby, we done invested too much in the kingdom. He ain't going to let us down now. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added in. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.